Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Today's episode is thanks to our Patreon members and our affiliates and partners. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to join our membership or donate to the podcast and stay tuned to hear about some amazing deals and discounts from our partners, including Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. But for now, we're getting right to the show. Enjoy. Hello, fans of the Female Athlete Nutrition Podcast. It's Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, your host, sports dietitian, and owner of Rise Up Nutrition. Solo episode today, I'm going to cut right to the chase. The focus of this episode is going to be talking about nutritional and lifestyle management of heartburn and GERD because it's something I have been personally going through a lot over the last few weeks. And so I'll start with a little bit of a story as to why this is coming up in my life. So I'm not sure if you've been a listener for a while, if you've been able to tell or not, but on some of these episodes, I might've sounded very sick and nasally. Maybe I even still do. I'm not quite sure. I am getting better, but I have been really sick for the past three plus months now. I am at present of recording this episode 33 weeks pregnant, maybe more, or maybe I'll have a baby by the time it's released. And throughout basically the second half of my pregnancy, somewhere around 20 weeks pregnant, I started to develop a cough. And this cough just progressed, progressed, progressed. I had to cancel work multiple, like multiple days, weeks in a row. I was not sleeping because I was coughing so much. It was really disruptive to my life. Like I, I've never had such a cough before that didn't get better either. You know, if you have a cold, normally the cough gets better in 10 to 12 days. And, or if you have allergies, it gets better once you start taking allergy medication. It seemed like not only was it not getting better, in some ways it was getting worse. In some ways it was you know, random, sporadic. One day I thought I'd be okay. And then the next day I wasn't. It it was really, really bad. And then as well throughout pregnancy, I've also had really bad heartburn. And this is something that I've actually experienced my entire life. Just as a little personal backstory, I was diagnosed with GERD, which G-E-R-D stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease. I was diagnosed with that, I think around age 12. I remember having lots of chest discomfort, chest pain, and difficulty eating. And so my, my mom, you know, must have brought me to the doctors to figure this out. And I remember getting diagnosed. I had to drink this really chalky substance, a beverage, and then stand behind an x-ray machine. And you could watch the chalky beverage go down your esophagus. And then you see it pass by the lower esophageal sphincter, which is a valve that ensures that food goes down, but not back up your esophagus. And on this x-ray machine, when I was 12 years old, we saw that chalky liquid substance go down my esophagus through the sphincter, hit my stomach, and then literally come right back up and upwards through the sphincter, which is not supposed to happen. So GERD is is truly a condition where like something is causing that sphincter to not work properly and food and beverages can come back up. Now obviously this is a problem for many reasons, but one of the main reasons is that 
your stomach acid is very acidic and your esophagus doesn't have the proper lining to handle that acid. So if acidic substances are coming back up from your stomach to your esophagus, then that can damage and destroy the lining of the esophagus and be very painful in the process. All of that acid food hurting and burning your esophagus, burning your chest. That's why they call it heartburn. It's not actually your heart, but it's just in your chest region near your heart that you'll feel it. What I do remember about that x-ray when I was 12 years old is that at that time that it was happening, I remember the doctor even asking me like, are you having heartburn right now? And I was like, no, I'm not. (laughs) And so that just kind of showed you like, this is happening to me often and I'm not even in pain right now. Imagine what it does look like when I am in pain, when I am feeling that burning, right? So I remember that being kind of eye-opening. At that time in my life, I was put on proton pump inhibitor, which helps control acid, reducing the amount of stomach that your acid produces. And I stayed on that for some time. I'm not quite sure how long, but I also learned over time how to sort of manage my symptoms on my own without medication. One of the things for me that happened as I was a kid, and maybe a lot of you resonate with this or a lot of parents see this happening to their kids is, you know, I was so busy throughout the day and at school, like maybe I just grabbed a granola bar or a small bowl of cereal before heading out the door in the morning. And then you have like school lunch, which is hit or miss. And then I like, you know, did after school activities or practice. And then when I came home, I then went to gymnastics practice for a couple hours. Maybe I grabbed another little snack. I don't really remember. But when I finally like came home for dinner at like seven o'clock at night or something like that, I was starving and I was so hungry and I would want to eat dinner that my mom made. And it was like, I hadn't eaten enough all day. And my, my eyes were, you know, so big for that food. And it was like the second I would start eating, I would have heartburn and stomach discomfort. And it was almost as if, you know, my stomach didn't have enough food in it all day and that stomach acid had nothing to work on. And so the moment when I started to eat, that stomach acid just like was an overdrive producing. And since I had GERD and the sphincter wasn't working properly, like everything that I tried to eat would just come right back up. And then there I was, I, I just have so many memories of, you know, being so hungry and wanting to eat, but being in so much pain that I couldn't. And so, you know, I think throughout my youth in high school, what I learned is I needed to eat more often. And this is one of the lifestyle strategies for GERD is to eat smaller meals, but more often. And, you know, what small means and more often means to you is individualized, I suppose. But it's certainly one of the ways that I have managed. You know, when I teach my clients about hunger and fullness cues and things like that, I also know one of my personal hunger cues, if, it, if I start to get heartburn, it, that's too long for me. I went too long without food. So that's one of the things like lifestyle wise that I was able to reduce how much heartburn I've had by eating every couple of hours. It could be every two hours or three hours, whether it be a snack or a meal. I don't go very long without eating something. You know, three hours is kind of my limit because that stomach discomfort and heartburn happens for me if I go too long without food. So that combined with, you know, the use of over-the-counter Tums or basically calcium tablets that are antacids, you know, as needed just to manage in the moment heartburn going on. And I would say another lifestyle thing that most people assume with heartburn is you would avoid spicy food or acidic food. And I have to tell you, those are my two favorite categories of food. (laughs) So I can't say that I've really done a good job throughout my life of avoiding those foods. I still eat them and maybe just suffer the consequences, quite frankly. I'm not saying that's right or that's what you should do. It's just, you know, for me, for the most part, just managing the frequency of when I eat and using some Tums as needed is, is what's helped me throughout my life. Okay, so let's fast forward now, getting back to this whole pregnancy thing. When I was pregnant with my son, Gabe, I also had really bad heartburn. I, you know, the reasons this happens more during pregnancy now, even if you don't have a history of GERD, 
is for, for two significant reasons during pregnancy. One, as the baby grows and all of your organs have to move and get squished, literally your stomach gets you know, pushed up. All your organs are pushing against your stomach. The baby's pushing against your stomach. So your stomach gets pushed up and squished and you kind of have less room for food. So it's, it's more like if you eat a really big meal, like you don't have the stomach space to hold it. And so it's more likely that some of that might come up more easily. So that's one reason why. And then the second reason why is because there's a hormone produced during pregnancy called relaxin that literally helps everything in your body relax your muscles, tendons, ligaments. And this is again, to help the baby grow. And then, you know, we think about actual delivery process and birth and what's needed to help all those muscles relax to actually push a baby out. But even down to your sphincters, going back to that lower esophageal sphincter, relaxing hormone affects everything. So your sphincter is more relaxed. And so it's, it's your like esophagus to stomach doesn't really have as much as a barrier as it normally should. And so those two reasons, the fact that that sphincter is just not working and your stomach is, is squished right up means that a lot of pregnant women experience more heartburn during this time. And oh man, have I experienced it. Like I mentioned during my first pregnancy, I definitely had it and told my doctor and I got on a medication, got on a proton pump inhibitor to help with that. And also just kind of manage my diet. I remember needing to just eat dinner earlier and again, have smaller dinners specifically dinner because sleeping at nighttime was more difficult. Obviously throughout the days you're standing upright and you have gravity kind of helping you keep food down. But if you attempt to lay down and you're now horizontal, food from your stomach is going to very easily just, you know, pass through that esophagus. And so I I specifically remember with my son Gabe just needing to really monitor, like have dinner earlier and make sure dinner was a smaller meal with air quotes around that smaller because I just don't want people to think I was eating like a bird per se, but you know, just less than what I maybe wanted or would normally have. All right. So let's fast forward and get back to this whole thing about me being sick. Oh, 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 wait, one more thing to add to the story. Pregnancy is just so weird. Like the things that can happen to people, the symptoms and stuff. So another weird symptom of pregnancy is increased mucus production. So during both pregnancies, I definitely had that post-nasal drip where I'm, I'm producing more mucus and then it's like dripping down into the back of my throat. That is just one annoying, or you feel like you have to spit more or it, it tickles. So yeah, that's another weird symptom that I've had during both pregnancies. So now bringing this all together around January, I remember getting sick. Again, when you're pregnant, you're just like more immunocompromised. You're more susceptible. Gabe brought something home from daycare. I got sick with like nausea, vomiting, fever, things like that. I recover from that. And then a week later, this like cough starts. And within a week, within five days, it was this very severe cough. So I went to my OB doctor because it was very severe. I was coughing nonstop. I couldn't get through calls. And, uh, you know, they just said, oh, it's it's a cold. (laughs) So I was taking all the -the over-the-counter cold medications that I possibly could that were approved for pregnancy. Another week went by and not only did I not get better, I feel like I got worse. I went back to my OB doctor. I think I had a regular routine checkup, fortunately. So this was about two weeks into it. And, you know, they just suggested the same thing. It's it's a really bad cold, like hang in there. So I was doing everything. I did at that time start being more regimented with, I got a humidifier to sleep with at nighttime. I used a neti pot for the first time in my life to clear out that mucus. I was taking, you know, supplemental vitamin C through emergency and airborne, just treating this as a cold, but it was pretty, pretty miserable. 
Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. About, I don't know, three or four weeks into this, you know, my husband and I were just going insane, going crazy, just because I'm not sleeping. I'm exhausted because I'm I'm coughing all the time, which takes a lot of energy. And my life was just on this like repeat of five minutes of like every five minutes. It was like cough for a few minutes straight and then, you know, <laughs> take a few deep breaths and then go get a tissue and blow my nose and then go to the bathroom And then like repeat the whole process all over again. (laughs) Like I could not take care of myself at all because that's all I was doing all day was coughing and blowing my nose. So like I said, about three and a half or four weeks into it. Yeah. And I had called my OB doctor again a couple times. They really didn't have anything else to say to me about it. I was trying cough suppressants. I was doing cough drops. I was doing tea, honey, herbal remedies. And then I... And I was taking allergy medication at that time as well. They were thinking maybe it was allergies. At one point, I went to the ER because I was like, I need another opinion. When I went to the ER, they did diagnose me with bronchiospasms. I was just coughing nonstop. And they recommended upping my dose of Zyrtec allergy medication in addition to Flonase that I was taking, in addition to the cough suppressants that I was taking, and then prescribed me albuterol as well and a nebulizer. So something to help reduce the inflammation in my lungs. Basically, you know, these are medications that people with asthma might take. And I did this for a few days. And I remember the first few days really feeling like I actually was coughing worse after doing this, but I was just so adamant to stick to the prescribed treatment because I I was so at a loss of what I could possibly do. And, and the doctor even mentioned at the time he would give me a steroid, but he can't because I'm pregnant, right? So I was like, okay, I just need to stick to this treatment plan and, and take these medications to treat basically asthma and bronchiospasms. Like I mentioned, as I was doing the nebulizer and the albuterol, it was like, After I did it, I actually felt like I coughed worse for about an hour or two. But about a week later, I felt like I did see some mild improvement. So I was hopeful at that point. That mild improvement probably only lasted two weeks at the most. And it never went away. The cough never went away. It was just maybe like I I had a few better nights of sleep. And then it started right back up again. And at this point... I'd probably been sick for, I don't know, seven weeks or so of this cough. And again, my husband and I were just like going crazy. Um, He thinks that the baby's going to be born with a cough because of this, which I don't think is possible at all. But we're just losing our minds. And I'm starting to get really fearful of how, how can I go through delivery, you know, being this sick? How can I last another you know, eight weeks of being pregnant, being this sick. I can't take care of myself. I can't take care of Gabe. I can't take care of my family. I'm struggling with work. And 
My husband has some doctors available at his workplace. He's in the military. So I just like, oh, I know what it was. We went out on a date night, which by the way, we've only done like twice in the past two years. I'm not proud of that, but we went to the movies. We hadn't been to the movies since post, since pre-COVID. And we went to the movies to see the John Wick premiere, uh, John Wick 4. It was really, really good if you're into that series. And I got popcorn and a Diet Coke. Like, I just, that's what I want at the movies. And that night, my coughing was so severe. I mean, I was like this, I just, I was so defeated. I did not sleep all night. And the next morning I asked my husband, can you please talk to your doctors at work? Like I need other opinions. I'm so thankful that one of his doctors gave me a call. He offered for me to come in, but it just didn't work out that day. And he gave me a call and we talked on the phone and I'm just like, I'm so grateful to him for truly talking to me and listening. This is the power of a provider who creates time for you and listens to you. You know, we started the conversation and just filling him in on my backstory and everything I was going through. And and it was interesting because at that point I had kind of lost hope in my OB doctors thinking that they really, you know, they weren't helping me at all. They were just treating it like a cold. I'm like, this shouldn't be going on for eight weeks here. But he kept going back to that. He kept you know, going back to the fact that I was pregnant. And I think part of me too was like frustrated by that answer. I'm like, I know pregnancy does weird things, but like, I can't just like keep suffering through this. Right. And I mean, I guess I could, but (laughs) I didn't want to. And he just kept going back and digging into pregnancy symptoms, even though he wasn't even an OB doctor himself, but he just kept going back to, we've got to respect the fact that you're pregnant. And, and he starts digging in and digging in and you know, he started to ask me about my diet and I was humble here. Sometimes I, I quickly tell people, oh, I'm a dietitian, my diet's fine. But I was humble and I said, yep, I'll, I'll go over my diet with you. And, you know, I told him how bad the night before was and how I had popcorn. So we thought maybe it had something to do with sodium. And I'm like, man, I really think my sodium intake is fine. But like, I guess that's something I can look into, you know, because there's certainly a lot of pregnant women that sodium affects them and then swelling becomes an issue. And he kept digging, digging. And finally, somehow it came out that I had heartburn. I was like, yeah, I've always had heartburn and it's really bad during pregnancy. And boom, it was like a light bulb went off for him. And well, I'll cut to the chase. Did you know that heartburn can cause pulmonary manifestations? It makes so much sense to me now, but I truly did not know it at the time. GERD in and of itself can cause, trigger, or exacerbate um, multiple pulmonary conditions and disease states. So pathological GERD and heartburn can be found in about 30 to 80% of patients with asthma. And GERD itself can cause other manifestations like a chronic cough, bronchial asthma, bronchitis, pneumonia, and interstitial fibrosis. I truly did not know this, but it makes so much sense now. When acid reflexes into the esophagus, acid can literally aspirate in your lungs and cause bronchiospasms and inflammation of your lungs. I mean, your lungs are connected to your esophagus as well. And then there's this nerve stimulation that causes a reflux and bronchiospasms as well because the acid is aspirating into the lungs. So some other statistics here is that a GERD-associated cough can range from 10 to 40% of the population based on the population. But basically, a lot of people with a chronic cough, 10 to 40% of it can, can be actually because of GERD. And a lot of it is also when patients are specifically experiencing more nocturnal reflex or that acid reflex at nighttime, you can have increased risk of respiratory symptoms in general and increased cough in general, again, likely because you're laying down and again, the acid can more easily get into the lungs and exacerbate that. I do think in my condition, I had probably two things going on, which was the increased mucus production. Maybe I did have allergies as well. And so that post-nasal drip making me cough combined with the GERD making me cough, it was really bad. And so when I was treated for the asthma and inflammation of the lungs, that was 
it was true that I had that going on, but the root cause probably wasn't just, you know, allergies. And as it turns out, uh, taking albuterol wasn't the right choice because that's a bronchodilator. So that could actually, it, you know, dilates everything, opens everything up. And it was probably opening up my lower esophageal sphincter even more and causing more heartburn and acid to trigger that. So though it might've been helpful and that's probably why I saw some relief in like the inflammation of the lungs. And yet I think the GERD associated cough worsened at that time. And by the way, I felt this as I was coughing, I felt the burning. I just thought it was burning from a cough. So for anybody else struggling with a chronic cough, yeah, I've done lots of research on this now. The three major reasons for chronic cough are post-nasal drip, asthma, and GERD. I had no clue that GERD was one of the things. So I had two out of the three things. Okay, so what does this mean? Whether or not, I just like, I just thought that was fascinating. I hope you guys liked listening to my story. But what I wanted to get to in today's episode as well, which is like treatment of, of GERD and heartburn. Okay, so one of the first and foremost things is to avoid spicy foods. So of course, that can mean your hot sauce and cumin and cayenne pepper, but it can also include things as simple as black pepper and garlic. So basically, since figuring this out, I've been really mindful of my diet and avoiding all spicy things and using limited seasonings as well. And then you want to avoid things with a low pH, a really acidic pH. So a lot of people will think of citrus foods like pineapple, grapefruit, oranges, orange juice, tomatoes to include marinara sauce. All of that is true. Because of how severe and sick I was, I, I'm taking this to another level. I'm personally avoiding as much as I possibly can all foods with a pH less than five. That includes even apples and blackberries and jam and jelly and ketchup and peppers and pineapple and pears and peaches and oranges There's a lot, basically most fruit. The only fruit I've really eaten is melon. So honeydew melon, cantaloupe, watermelon, and banana. That's what I've been sticking to fruit-wise. Again, vinegars, salad dressings, I really have not been doing because those are acidic. The next thing I've been avoiding is carbonated beverages. So that's why my night at the movies wasn't good for me was because of that. Diet Coke that I had, so all carbonated beverages, including seltzer water, the carbonation triggers it more. And I I could feel that. The Diet Coke, I didn't feel it, but I had previously been consuming seltzer waters and knew that that didn't feel good. So that caffeine in and of itself, so just actually all the tea I was drinking to soothe my throat actually might not have been the greatest idea, although I was having lots of decaf tea. I was also having some tea that did have some caffeine during the day, you know, 40 milligrams or something. And so I've cut that out completely. I'm still having a little bit of coffee in the morning just because it's really hard for me to stop, but I'm, I don't have much of it. I mean, at the most six ounces, if, if even. Mint and chocolate are two other triggers for heartburn as well. These things I have known in my past. I've always known mint, actually. Like, again, when I said I've dealt with GERD for a long time, mint has always personally been a trigger of mine. So I don't think I consume much mint, like mint gums or, you know, mint candies. Haven't I enjoy it, but it's always it's always been a trigger for me. So those are other things. And chocolate's another one. Interestingly, I had this cough over Valentine's Day. And I do remember eating some chocolates on Valentine's Day and, and it was really bad, like to the point where I actually threw up my chocolates because of how bad I was coughing. Again, when I say I had a severe cough, it was so severe that I was, it was causing me to throw up. <laughs> it was choking me in the middle of the night. I was like literally like gagging and, and literal. Yeah. So you guys get the picture here, right? So I kind of figured out after Valentine's Day, like maybe I'll kind of cut back on my chocolate and I, I did do that. And then when learning this, I've been even more, unfortunately, no more chocolate during my pregnancy here. The next thing is that greasy and fatty foods can also contribute to increased heartburn. And this is because fatty foods take a long time to digest. They're slow to digest in your stomach. And so the longer food is sitting in your stomach, then the more that it's sitting there and has the potential to come back up, right? 
So one of the recommendations for treatment of GERD is to follow a lower fat diet. I have not been tracking my fat intake per se, but I have been mindful of it. For example, the other night we had a gift card for Olive Garden. So we went out to Olive Garden and it was like, okay, I don't want to have the marinara sauce because that's acidic. So my only other option is like the creamy mushroom sauce or the Alfredo sauce, but that one's really high in fat, right? So I just kind of had to be mindful at that meal. I did go with the cream sauce, the higher in fat one, and I, I did be very mindful of my portion. I still wanted a bit more food, but I did decide to stop at a place before I was necessarily full because I wanted to make sure my heartburn was under control. And then like two hours later, I had another little small snack and I saved my leftovers of the Olive Garden for the next day. So just being really mindful of that portion because I think the choosing the cream sauce was better than the marinara, but I had to be mindful of the portion because too much fat and too big of a meal can sit in your stomach for too long and cause the heartburn as well. Fans, I hope you are enjoying the conversation. We are going to take a quick pause so I can tell you about our partners. They are so valuable in providing you with amazing products and helping keep this podcast going. First, Prevenix. Thanks to their incredible Joint Health Plus product, my aches and pains from running and honestly being a new mom, as crazy as that sounds, have literally disappeared. As I continue to push my body physically as an athlete and frankly, as I continue to age, I was shocked at the aches I was beginning to feel in my knees, wrists, ankles. It seemed like omega-3s, curcumin, nothing was really working, but after just one month of Joint Health Plus from Prevenix, I felt a drastic improvement. Honestly, this is something I rarely experience with supplements, but Prevenix uses quality ingredients backed by sound science. Their products are pharmaceutical grade with extensive testing for safety, quality, and purity. They offer other supplements, including probiotics, omega, immune health, and a multivitamin, which I also use daily. And the science behind their multi has changed my opinion on multivitamins altogether. I used to never recommend them or take them myself. And now I recommend and take Prevnex Multivitamin Mineral and Antioxidant Plus daily. I am so impressed with Prevnex and I can't wait for you to try. You can get 15% off your first order using the code RISEUP at checkout. The company also offers 100% money back guarantee within 30 days because they stand by their products. And so do I. Head to Prevnex.com, P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com and use the code RISEUP, one word at checkout for 15% off. For nutritional shakes and bars to fuel your body, head to Orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30 for 30% off your first order. Orgain's ready-to-drink nutritional shakes are my go-to to throw in my bag when I'm heading to the gym or to a trail to run so that when I'm done, I've got a recovery option to refuel and rehydrate with right away. Orgain makes nutrition and sports nutrition that works. For repeat customers, check the show notes for more. And again, first-time customers, head to orgain.com and use the code RISEUP30, all caps. And last, ladies, moms, every mom is an athlete. That's why Jen and Carrie have designed the best nursing and pumping sports bras. I cannot rave about these enough. I hate that most maternity bras have clips and don't support being active, but Jen and Carrie get that because they're moms and athletes themselves. They want you to be a mom and an athlete. So their stylish and athletic high-impact bras allow you to crush your workout and then feed your baby with comfort and style. They have saved me during this time of my life, keeping up with sport and momming. Please go check them out at jenandcarry.com and use the code RISEUP10 for $10 off your order. You won't regret it. Again, jenandcarry.com, RISEUP, all caps, RISEUP10 for $10 off. Let's get back to the episode. Okay, some other things that affect GERD or increase GERD is alcohol, for sure. Smoking worsens it. Poor posture as well, slouching. Lifestyle things I've kind of mentioned, eating large meals or eating too close to bedtime because, again, at bedtime you lay down. So a treatment at bedtime is 
to not lay down flat, to at least be propped up at a 45 degree angle. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't laid down in months now <laughs> during this pregnancy. I, I basically sleep sitting upright. It's not comfortable, but I have to. I can hardly even be at sometimes 45 degree angle is too much for me. So yeah, I've got the pillows in my bed all stacked up and, um, it's kind of funny, but like I literally haven't laid down in months. But those are some lifestyle things like avoiding alcohol, cigarettes, poor posture, and avoiding super large meals or eating too soon before bedtime. Oh, I think one other thing I wanted to add about the food and management of GERD and heartburn is how beneficial dairy products, notably milk, can be. So first, because the actual calcium can help neutralize acid and then just, you know, I think milk and, and dairy products give kind of like a nice coating on your throat and esophagus as it's going down. And so that can actually be helpful in the management of GERD and heartburn. I mean, that's what Tums are, right? They're calcium carbonate tablets. And so you're drinking a glass of milk can help. And, and twofold too, not only is it helping with the GERD and heartburn and kind of neutralizing the acid, but if you're actually using it as a source of fuel, then that can be helpful just with it being a liquid and being quickly digested, not something that takes up volume and space in your stomach quite so much. So having just, you know, eight ounces of milk as part of your nutrition and fueling can be a way to help manage GERD and heartburn. And I bring this up because it's funny, you know, so many people when they have excess mucus production, which I also had in these past few months, think that there's a correlation between dairy and mucus production or inflammation. And I've, the research here is not strong. First and foremost, the research is not strong. There's not a strong correlation between dairy products and mucus production. There's also not a really strong correlation between dairy and inflammation. Where it does exist is maybe in some already inflammatory conditions but let's not get too diet culture here. Like, what does that mean? An inflammatory condition that can mean a bunch of different things. That can be somebody with, you know, undiagnosed celiac disease whose gut is, you know, destroyed and inflamed and they have inflammatory markers. It could be somebody with rheumatoid arthritis. It like an inflammatory state can be like just a bunch of different things. <laughs> so that's where like, if you dig into the research of trying to figure out this correlation between dairy and inflammation, we, we really do have to get super specific. And that association between dairy and mucus production, again, really, really weak research there. For the most part, one of the issues is that people who have thick mucus production, dairy, as I just said, a glass of milk can kind of coat your throat. And so if you're already feeling kind of like thick and mucusy, maybe it's just a feeling that's undesirable to have more milk and yogurt that's also kind of coating and lining your throat. So it can I honestly, it's not that it's making you produce more mucus or making it thicker. It's just that it's doesn't feel great, <laughs> you know? So the research there is super mixed, but I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I'm a dairy lover, but when I was on like week five or six of this chronic cough, I was willing to do anything. So I actually did remove probably like 95% of dairy from my diet. So I switched to some soy milk, soy yogurts, almond milk creamers. I did like an oat cashew milk to put in my coffee. That was really it. I just kind of like avoided cheese at meals and switched to the soy yogurt and then switched to having soy milk if I ever wanted a glass of milk or cereal, or again, a different, like an almond milk creamer in my coffee. It was fun to test out a couple different types of non-dairy products. I really learned that I don't like almond milk-based yogurt. I don't care for cashew milk-based yogurt. And coconut yogurt was like, okay, once, but <laughs> like I didn't want to buy it again. You know, so it was just fun to like try different products, I suppose, for the sake of branching out as somebody who is a notorious dairy lover. But anyways, I really didn't notice an improvement. Like I kept dairy mostly out of my diet for a long time. No more ice cream, which I'd kind of already stopped anyways, because I love chocolate ice cream and I had already figured out chocolate wasn't working for me, or maybe it was the fat content of ice cream. Anyways, I did buy some like fruit 
sorbets to enjoy if I wanted a little treat. But um, yeah, I as I cut dairy out just for the sake of I'm desperate, I'll try anything. I just have to tell you, I, it didn't make a difference with my perceived symptoms of mucus production and certainly didn't help reduce the cough at all. So as I finally did discover, you know, that maybe the heartburn, maybe the GERD is actually what's causing these pulmonary issues and made dietary changes there, I actually brought dairy back in and having that glass of milk, you know, if I'm going to keep my dinner portion small, but I'm still hungry, you know, an hour later, I can have that glass of milk and it really is soothing on my throat. So that is actually, as much as I'm talking about things to be cautious of or to avoid when managing GERD and heartburn, you know, incorporating milk into your diet could actually be helpful there. So I'm super happy to say I'm drinking milk again. I actually do like soy milk, but I don't know, after drinking it for a few weeks and I went back to milk and I was like, oh yeah, cow's milk is better. (laughs) For me, at least personally. Okay, another huge part of this, though, just to be completely honest, is, of course, I talked to my doctor about getting different medication. So when treating GERD and heartburn, you can choose either a a PPI, proton pump inhibitor, or an H2 blocker. And during my first pregnancy, I was on a PPI. And when I went to my doctor and first started saying that I was heartburn, having heartburn, I asked them for the same thing that I was on last time. And I even named it. It's called omeprazole. I don't know if I'm saying it exactly right, but I, I told them omeprazole. I was on that last pregnancy. I'd like to be on it again. And they said, sure, sure, sure. And then when I went to the pharmacy and picked it up, it, it wasn't. They put me on um, essentially Pepsid. And that's actually not a PPI, that's an H2 blocker. And both should be effective in treating heartburn or GERD. But the whole time that I was taking it, I didn't think it was working. I was having severe heartburn. I mean, I couldn't bend over to pick Gabe up because every time I bent over, it was severe burning. Never mind if there was something I ate or if I wasn't a coughing fit. So, I mean, I was having heartburn all day long, even with this medication. I I knew it wasn't working, but I didn't necessarily like think to ask my doctor to revisit that medication because I was just kind of trusting in that. Like, oh, this is what they prescribed. Like, it just sucks for me that I have really severe heartburn still. But when I started researching this, you know, condition I was having of the pulmonary exacerbations due to GERD, The number one medication treatment is a PPI. So going back to Prilosec or the omeprazole that I was on last time was more recommended than the H2 blockers in these situations. And so I was able to, once I kind of figured this out, I made dietary changes for a few days, honestly felt somewhat of a relief in a few days, and then got to the doctor about four days later and got this new medication. And truly, since then, I mean, I'm a ton better. I have a little bit of a cough, which I think now is the remnants of the postnasal drips, slight increased mucus production, which I'm still taking medication for, like a Flonase, a Zantactasy, if it helps at all. But You know, it's just one of those things where I'm like, there's such a significant improvement. My husband even said it to me last night. He said, I don't want to jinx anything, but you're not really coughing as much or like at all. And I was like, I know it's great. I don't want to jinx it either because we're a little bit scarred from this experience. But, you know, get the right medication and, you know, those dietary changes can really be helpful. And I don't know, guys, I just wanted to kind of have this, this episode, this personal episode, I wanted to kind of educate you on nutrition for GERD and heartburn first and foremost, but wrapped up into this personal story because I really learned something. Like I, if not for going through this, I would not have learned this. And so hopefully some of you learned something as well. I truly did not know that you could have a chronic cough from GERD. And I think too, despite having heartburn and GERD my whole life, you know, I've managed it easily, mildly, you know, it didn't really bother me. And there's certain time periods in our life where, you know, 
I guess I just want to say like there, there's more that needs to be done in order for you to feel better, right? It took a long time for me to figure it out. But as somebody who does preach food freedom, intuitive eating, concepts like that, I mean, I love chocolate. <laughs> I love tomatoes and spicy food. I love acidic food. I really do. Like Italian salad dressing, I could put that on anything. I love vinegar and like those are foods I love. So food freedom and eating intuitively, like I would be eating all these foods, but guess what? Eating intuitively also means eating, being in tune with your body and what makes it feel good. And at this point in my life, like making those dietary changes and sure, I'm going to use the word strict and rigid, like being strict and rigid with my diet is actually what's going to help me right now. This is not a forever thing. Even though I do have GERD diagnosed with that prior to pregnancy, like I'm sure post-pregnancy as symptoms lessen, I can go back to enjoying chocolate from time to time again. I can go back to eating my spicy foods and just managing my symptoms as needed. So it's important to recognize like there is and may be, even from a dietitian that believes in food freedom, there is and may be a time and a place in certain conditions where, you know, food is medicine and respecting that and honoring what your body really needs and feels best in. It doesn't mean you can't have food freedom. It doesn't mean certain foods are bad or wrong. It just means right now this food isn't serving my needs, my goals, my body to make me feel good. So that's kind of wrapping this up for you. There's plenty of other like situations where medical nutrition therapy is needed, you know, somebody who's newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic, we certainly need to get that under control and and start managing our carbohydrate and our insulin and being super aware of that. Somebody who has renal disease or is on dialysis absolutely needs to monitor certain electrolyte intakes. And, you know, there's a time and a place with certain conditions where food does need to be monitored, learned, controlled. It doesn't mean you don't have options and choices. We have so many different types of food we can eat, right? Like I'm still able to eat fruit. It's just, you know, I certainly have a list of fruits that are more enjoyable or tolerable to me right now. And if I do want to go ahead and, you know, have something a little more acidic, let's say grapes or blueberries, like that's fine, but I'm probably not going to pair it, you know, with something else very acidic or in the same day that I just had something spicy, right? Like just being super mindful of that. I would say this is a similar situation to many people with various gastrointestinal issues, you know, whether it be celiac, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, or IBS, which I know is a big one to navigate. But, you know, there's certain times where it's like, we need to learn what is best for our body. And this is a question that I get very often of like, how can you preach food freedom if this food doesn't work for my body? I'm like, well, sure. It's, it's, you just have to understand that, you know, this food isn't inherently bad and maybe it's not even bad for you all the time. It's just, it's not bad for other people. And right now for you, it's not working great and that's okay. We can respect that. There's so many other options of things you can eat, but keep an open mind that in the future, as you've healed this condition or have it managed, maybe you can tolerate those foods in certain doses, right? It's a, it's a learning process. So, all right, I guess I'll just end it. I never know how to end a solo episode, but hope you learned how to manage your diet and lifestyle with GERD. Now you're aware of crazy pregnancy symptoms that GERD can lead to chronic cough and also the importance of continuing to talk to people and doctors until you find your answers that you're looking for. If you know something isn't right, just keep trying. I was so frustrated, but just kept trying different doctors, same doctors, just kept going. And food freedom and intuitive eating is possible for all people. And also there's times in our lives where we have to really be in tune with what is working best for our body and 
make sure that nutrition is medicine during those times. And I really look forward to not being pregnant, having this heartburn reduce and eating some chocolate again. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for listening. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, if you are a true fan of female athlete nutrition, then I would love if you could support our podcast by spreading the word. Share a review on your listening channel. Give us five stars. It really helps get the word out and get the show more views to positively impact others. Also, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to consider a donation or even better, join our membership where you get extra monthly content and perks. We don't want you to simply listen alone. We want you to be a part of a community and a movement of fierce, fit, and fueled female athletes. So patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition is where you can do exactly that, learn more, and join. A huge thanks to our affiliates and partners as well. Once again, Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, Jen and Carrie. Please go check them out and their links in the show notes where you can get deals and discounts. Last, be sure that you do more than just listen. If you need help with fueling, it's time to take action. Head to my website to learn more. You can either book a free call with me to learn more about our coaching programs and how we can work directly with you, whether it's the fast track or otherwise. Or you can take our online self-study course, Female Athlete Nutrition. You can literally sign up and gain access right now. You can explore our downloadable products, including the Red S Recovery Guide, High Iron Fueling Guide, Or if you are a coach of a team, check out our brand new coaches toolkit for teams. You can also just learn more. We have a blog, a Red S quiz to see if Red S is affecting you. If you need help, I want you to get help fast. Too many girls and athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. You can rise up with the power of nutrition, take action today in any of these avenues, and become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time.